In the previous verses we learnt about two characters. One was of those people who are dunya oriented, their focus is the dunya. So even when they go to Makkah, even when they go to Mina, they're worshipping Allah, what are they asking for? Dunya. So such people, Allah says they will have nothing in the hereafter. The second type of people were those who are akhirah oriented. So yes, they ask Allah for dunya, but they also ask Allah for khair in the dunya, hasana in the dunya, because they don't want to suffer because of that in the hereafter. And at the same time, they ask Allah for hasana in the hereafter, and also to be saved from the punishment of the hellfire. And such people are those who are successful. Now in these following verses as well, we will see these two characters. One is a person who is focused on dunya. What he does to gain that dunya, to protect that dunya. How he doesn't care about other people, he argues, he disputes, he harms others because he is selfish. And on the other hand is a person whose focus is the akhirah, so he benefits others, he sacrifices as well. He's not selfish, rather he is selfless. So these two comparisons are being made. وَمِنَ nasi And among the people is man who يُعْجِبُكَ قَوْلُهُ His speech amazes you, it impresses you. Yu'jibu is from the root letters Ain Jimba and Ijab is to be amazed by something, to find something very amazing. From the same root is the word Ajib as well. What is Ajib? What do you say Ajib? Strange, weird. It's not normal. Right? So Ujib is basically of two types. Ijab is of two types. One that is good and the other that is bad. Good is when you're impressed by something. You really like it. You're sold. And the other is that you find something very strange, you don't like it, you're not comfortable with it, you don't feel good about it. Okay? So over here, your ujibuka, this is the first type of ujab, that when a person is impressed by something, he likes it, he finds it pleasing. So among the people is the one who, your ujibuka, it pleases you, it impresses you, but what impresses you? His appearance? No, قَوْلُهُ His speech, قَافْ وَوْلَامْ Meaning when he talks, you're very impressed by the speech. The words, the beauty of the words, the style of the speech, the eloquence of the speech, the language that is being used, the vocabulary and so on and so forth. Every word, every statement mesmerizes you, it impresses you. يُعْجِبُكَ jibuka qawluhu. When he talks, you want to listen. When he talks you get convinced. Whatever he says, you tend to believe in it. Why? Because of the way that he says it. يُعْجِبُكَ قَوْلُهُ But the fact is, that such speech impresses you فِي الْحَيَاةِ dunya, In the life of this world only. الْحَيَاةِ Life, dunya of this world. Meaning the kind of things that he's saying, they can only make you happy in this dunya. These words cannot make you happy in the akhirah. Meaning only in this worldly life. Can you be impressed by those words? And those words, that speech, cannot impress you in the akhirah. Because such speech will have no value in the akhirah. It will have no relevance in the akhirah. So if you look at it from a worldly perspective, very impressive speech. But if you look at it from the akhirah perspective, then that speech does not carry any weight. Why? 
Because all that he's talking is fluff. You know when we say fluffy words, fluffy speech? That on the apparent, when you hear, you're like, wow, very impressive. But when you analyze that speech, you're like, okay, what do you get out of that speech? What do you get out of that address? Nothing really. It was all fluff. So it impresses you in this world, but it cannot impress you in the hereafter. Because with regards to the akhirah, that speech carries no value. What speech, what words have value in the hereafter? Which words carry weight in the hereafter? Which words? Words that are? Huh? Okay, beneficial. So, for example, you say something good to the other person. Okay, what else? Huh? Remembrance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so such speech in which there is remembrance of Allah, in which a person is careful about what he's saying because Allah is listening to him, Allah is watching him. What other speech is of benefit in the hereafter? Speech that is honest, that is sincere. So if a person praises another in this world, says, Oh, you speak so nicely, the clothes that you're wearing are so good, and in his heart he's like cursing him, right? Then these words that he has said, will they carry any weight in the hereafter? Not at all, because they're not honest, they're not sincere. Likewise, if a person says, You know what? I want to fix the state of the ummah. And I'm going to become a scholar, and I'm going to become this. And then when they're told, Okay, come to class and start reading Quran. Nah, too tired. So those words, do they carry any weight? They don't. They don't carry any weight at all. So what words carry weight in the hereafter? Words that are honest, that are sincere, that are truthful, that person really means, that Allah likes, that are good words, that are beneficial words, that have khair in them. But this person, when he's talking, the kind of things he says are all false, all fluff insincere. So what does he say then? He says words basically just to please other people. Just to make them happy. He makes promises on the outside, I'm going to do this for you, I'm going to do that for you. Okay, where is it? He doesn't do it. He brings up ideas that are very impressive, but when it comes to actually doing something, he doesn't do it. He will go and praise and appreciate other people. You know, I really appreciate your efforts. I really thank you for all that you're doing. But at the same time, that person doesn't do any work himself. When they're asked to do their homework, they don't do it. When they're asked to come to class, they don't come. So this is all speech. All words. Very impressive on the outward. But in reality, no benefit in those words. مَن يُعْجِبُكَ قَوْلُهُ فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا And who are these people? Such people are mainly the hypocrites. Those who have hypocrisy in them. Because in Surah Al-Munafiqoon, ayah number 4, we learn that the hypocrites, وَإِن يَقُولُوا تَسْمَعْ لِقَوْلِهِمْ Once they start speaking, and they start giving their ideas, and they start praising you, and they start praising your efforts and appreciating what you're doing, you actually want to listen to what they're saying. تَسْمَعْ لِقَوْلِهِمْ They captivate you with their words. تَسْمَعْ لِقَوْلِهِمْ But in reality, those words, they mean nothing. يُعْجِبُكَ قَوْلُهُ فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَيُشْهِدُ اللَّهَ And 
He makes Allah a witness. Meaning He swears by Allah. Sheen hada. Shahada is to testify. So He makes Allah a witness over what He's saying. Alama fi qalbihi. Meaning He swears by Allah that by Allah I will do such and such. Wallahi, you're doing such an excellent thing. Wallahi, I love you. Wallahi, this and that. Yushhidullah. He's swearing by Allah. Ala upon ma fi qalbihi, what is in his heart. Qalb, what is in his heart. Meaning he's trying to show that he's very sincere, that he really loves you, that he's very honest. Yushhidullah ala ma fi qalbihi. Wahua, while he is aladdul khisam, the most stubborn disputer. At the same time, this person, when he argues, when he disputes, he's the most stubborn. He's the most worst person that you could ever argue with. وَهُوَ أَلَدُّ الْخِصَامِ Meaning, one day he's so nice to you with his words. And the other day, that same person is fighting with you. One day he's praising you. He's making promises. He's giving you great ideas. And the other day, he's talking against you. He's tearing you apart. Aladdul khisam, meaning such a person is not sincere at all. What is this word aladdul khisam? Alad is from the root letters lam dal dal, and lad is shiddatul khasuma, meaning to be very intense in argument, extremely argumentative. And alad is one who is most argumentative. When it comes to argument, he is the most severe, he is the most stubborn, most quarrelsome, most obstinate. He's just looking for a chance to pick a fight with someone. He doesn't get along with anybody. He's fighting with everybody, arguing with everybody, and when he argues, he doesn't care about who he's arguing with. He will disrespect the most respectful person even. He will humiliate those whom he should have respect for. He will insult every single individual, not spare anybody at all. And this is why we see to the hypocrites at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, on the surface they would praise the Prophet ﷺ, but at moments when they were upset, they would say the most harshest words to the Prophet ﷺ. Most harshest words to him. Or about him, behind his back. For example, there was a person... His name was Abdullah ibn Ubay. When the Prophet ﷺ first came to Medina, this person, he would stand up when the Prophet ﷺ would start the khutbah, he would stand up and he would tell the people, you know, Allah's Messenger has come and you should believe in Him and you should support Him and you should love Him. And you know, he would tell others to follow the Prophet ﷺ in front of the Prophet. And obviously if somebody is talking like that in front of you, like, okay, impressive, nice, good that he's supporting me. But that same individual... Once he said that when we go back to Medina, the most honorable one is going to expel the adal, meaning the one who is humiliated. He was referring to the Prophet ﷺ. But when I go back to Medina, I'm going to get him out of Medina. On the surface, you want to listen to the kind of words that he's saying. Because he's so impressive, he's so apparently sincere. And he swears by Allah. Like for example, the munafiqun, when they would come to the Prophet ﷺ, in Surah Munafiqun, Ayah 1, we learn, إِذَا جَاءَكَ الْمُنَافِقُونَ قَالُوا نَشْهَدُوا إِنَّكَ لَرَسُولُ اللَّهِ They would say, we swear by Allah, O Messenger, that you are the Messenger of Allah. You don't need to swear, Allah already knows that He is the Messenger. So, وَيُشْهِدُ اللَّهُ عَلَى مَا فِي قَلْبِهِ وَهُوَ أَلَدُّ الْخِصَامِ أَلَدُ Most stubborn disputer, the worst, most corrupt, 
most false of all people who could ever dispute. And al-khisam is understood in two ways. Either it is the plural of khasm, and khasm is used for opponents, those people who argue, those people who fight. So al-abdul khisam, meaning the most stubborn of all those people who argue and fight. You don't want to fight with him. You don't want to ever have an argument with him. Because he's going to tear you apart, he's going to humiliate you, he's going to insult you, he's going to say things that you don't want to hear. And Al-Khisam secondly is also used for dispute, argument. Meaning he's the most stubborn in dispute. He doesn't give up. He doesn't stop anywhere. What do we see here? That amongst people are those who come across as very sincere to you, but in reality, they're not sincere. Amongst people are those who will try to please you with their words. But don't get fooled by their words. Don't just look at the words that they're saying. Look at their actions. Look at the way that they treat others. Look at the way that they interact with others. Because that shows the true reality of a person. In speech, any person can be impressive. But it's the actions that matter. It's the manners that matter. You know like that wolf that drank all that honey and came to the piglets and he was talking in such a nice and soft way, right? All of you know that story, right? So he's talking in such a nice way so that they want to open the door and they open the door and then what does he do? Eats them all up. Eats them up. Likewise amongst people are those who will come across as so nice and gentle and sincere and well-meaning and well-wishing. But the moment they get upset with something, that's it. That's it. They will not spare you. Why? Why do they behave like this? Why do they act like this? Because they want some benefit from you. As long as they're getting some benefit from you, whatever it is, material or non-material, whatever it is, they're happy with you, they won't say anything, they will please you, they will make promises with you, they will praise you. But the moment something upsetting happens, something that they don't like, no matter how small it is, then their true reality, it erupts out, it comes out, it shows. وَهُوَ أَلَدُّ الْخِصَامِ And they start disputing with you, and they don't stop over there. This is hypocritical behavior. In the heart, in reality, are ill feelings. On the outside, very good behavior. So eventually, venom that's inside is going to come out. Why is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala telling us about this? For two reasons. First of all, so that we become careful. You know, like if people, uh, they call you and they're like, you know, ma'am, how are you doing? Hope you're having a great day, ma'am. And I have this package, by the way. Would you be interested in it? When did you last have your windows replaced or your ducts cleaned out? I'm sure it's been a very long time. They're sweet talk, right? That's what they call it. Sweet talk. And they're like, oh, they're talking so nicely with me. Let me just listen what they have to say. And it's as though you get convinced. You know infomercials on the television? You keep watching it, the kind of things that they say, you're like, this is what I need. This is the solution to all my problems in my life. They fool you with their sweet talk. So be careful. And secondly, Allah is telling us about this, that we reflect on ourselves. How are we with other people? How do we talk to them? As long as things are good, we are very nice, and the moment something unpleasant happens, we blow up. We don't care whether they are our friends or our relatives or our whoever, and we just rip them apart. 
How do we interact with others? How do we deal with others? So the real problem is what? The love of this world. As long as a person is getting worldly benefits, worldly advantages from the other, he's nice. And the moment he feels threatened, then he will turn against him. وَهُوَ أَلَدُّ الْخِصَامِ So be careful. There's more characteristics as well, inshallah, which we will learn in the following verses. I read a quote recently in which uh, one of the scholars, he had said, that whoever comes to you with other people's complaints, right? that he's basically talking bad about other people with you, then one day he will talk bad about you with other people. Whoever comes to you talking bad about others, one day he will talk bad about you to other people. Why? Because he's not sincere to them and he will not remain sincere to you. He wants some benefit. If he's getting that benefit from you, that you're listening to him and you are agreeing with him, then he will talk to you. But the moment you try to advise him that no, it is your fault, then he will start talking bad against you. And the one who cuts off from others and joins you will one day cut off from you and leave you. So be careful. Be on your guard. The one who is not sincere to Allah, he won't be sincere to you either. Recitation. وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَن يُعْجِبُكَ قَوْلُهُ فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَيُشْهِدُ اللَّهَ عَلَى مَا فِي قَلْبِهِ وَيُشْهِدُ اللَّهَ عَلَى مَا فِي قَلْبِهِ وَهُوَ أَلَدُّ الْخِصَامِ So there are many lessons in this verse for us. First of all, we should remember that this ayah is not teaching us that we should not be sweet in our speech. That we should become very harsh, very cut and dry, and we should have no softness in our speech because we say, oh, the hypocrites talk like that. No, no, no. The hypocrites, they talk like that out of insincerity. But when we talk nicely, it should be sincere. It should be sincere. When we talk nicely, we should, with sincerity, that we truly mean those words. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's speech, the Qur'an, it is ahsanul hadith, the best speech, the most beautiful speech. It is Qur'an and ajaba, amazing Qur'an. The Prophet ﷺ, his speech was also very good. So this verse does not mean that we should not talk nicely. No, we should talk nicely. But we should not talk nicely with insincerity. The good words we say, we must mean them. And that means that when we're praising people, when we're appreciating their efforts, we should mean them. We should really mean it. And not just say it, you know, just at the surface, to please other people. And you know what? When a person is sincere in his praise, it shows. And when a person is insincere, even that shows. You know when somebody is over-praising, you're like, you know what, stop it, enough. Enough. And when they're doing it too much, you're like, I don't want to hear this kind of stuff. Please stop, go away. You don't want to hear the person who is faking the good. Right? And honest good, you feel it. You can sense it. So we should also be the same, be honest in our hearts and also in our speech. Another important lesson that we learn in this verse is that this hypocritical behavior right, is being condemned, especially being argumentative. 
being argumentative. This is being condemned. Meaning we should not be too argumentative. Sometimes it happens that people are very sweet, very nice with strangers. Oh please, oh thank you. And they will go to great lengths, you know, to be nice with other people. But the moment they step in their houses, that's it. Picking a fight with every person. Why did you put my jacket there? Why did you put my books here? Where's this? Where's that? What's your problem? People are fighting continuously from the moment they step in till the moment they leave. The Prophet ﷺ said, أَبْغَضُ الرِّجَالِ إِلَى اللَّهِ الْأَلَدُّ الْخَصِمِ The most hated of people to Allah, meaning the person whom Allah hates the most, is the one who is the most stubborn disputer. The more a person argues, fights with others, the more Allah dislikes him. The more a person fights and argues and he doesn't let go, he's not forgiving in his argument, then Allah does not like him. So this verse condemns such behavior. وَإِذَا تَوَلَّى And when he turns away, سَعَفِ الْأَرْضِ He strives in the earth. Why? لِيُفْسِدَ فِيهَا So that he can cause corruption in it. وَيُهْلِكَ الْحَرْثَ وَالنَّسَ And he destroys the crop and the animals. وَاللَّهُ لَا يُحِبُّ الْفَسَادِ And Allah does not like corruption. وَإِذَا تَوَلَّى تَوَلَّى is from the root letters وَاُلَامْيَا And there are two meanings of تَوَلَّى Firstly, it means to turn away. So obviously, if he's fighting with you, if he's arguing with you, the moment he's turned against you, you think he's going to stick around? No, he's going to leave. Many times it happens that a group of people are working on something together, and one, he has a fight with the rest of them, and what does he do then? He leaves, he doesn't come back again. And even if at the end of the day he does agree with them, he's too embarrassed to face them. Or he says, I've had a bad experience, I don't want to go back to that crowd. I don't want to go back to that place again. وَإِذَا تَوَلَّى He goes. He cannot work together with the rest of the people. He doesn't work with others. There is no teamwork. وَإِذَا تَوَلَّى He goes away. He leaves. Secondly, تَوَلَّى Over here also means to gain power. To take charge. Because it's from wilaya. Right? And تَوَلَّى يَتَوَلَّى Also means to take power, to take charge. So when he takes charge... When he has some authority, some power, what does he use that authority for? To cause corruption in the earth. Now, earlier it was mentioned that this person, with his sweet talk, he impresses others. With his good words, apparently good words, apparently impressive speech, he is able to convince others. Because he's deceptive. So he deceives them, he convinces them, just like politicians, when they're trying to gain votes, then what do they do? They travel across the country, and they're like, we'll do this for you, we'll do that for you, we're good in this way, you know, compare us with so and so. So, eventually, by his sweet talk, when he does gain power, وَإِذَا تَوَلَّى In that position of leadership, what does he do? Does he fulfill the promises that he made? No. Is he as sweet as he was before? No. Is he as caring as he was before? No. Is he as concerned for the people as he was before? No. Completely opposite. Sa'afil ardi. He strove in the earth. Sa'a. Seen ayn ya. Sa'i is to strive, to endeavor. So he's striving fil ardi in the land. Why? Liyufsida fiha. To cause corruption in it. Fasad. Fasindal. He's going about everywhere, 
causing corruption. And you know sometimes when people get upset when they're angry and they pick a fight with someone, they argue and they don't give up, eventually what happens? They're so angry, their anger is so uncontrollable that they don't even realize they are breaking things, they are slamming the doors shut and things are falling off and they are damaging other people's properties, they are damaging other people's hearts, their feelings, they are ruining relationships, they don't care. لِيُبْسِدَ فِيهَا سَعَى فِي الْأَرْضِ لِيُبْسِدَ فِيهَا وَيُهْلِكَ الْحَفْصَ وَالنَّسْلِ And especially what kind of facade does he do? وَيُهْلِكَ الْحَرْثِ وَالنَّسْلِ Two things. يُهْلِكْ هَلَامْ كَافْ هَلَاكْ Destruction. الْحَرْثِ حَرَثَ حَرْثِ is crop, land that is prepared for agriculture and it also applies to the crop itself. It applies to the land as well as the crop. So, وَيُهْلِكَ الْحَرْثِ The house, the crop, the land, the property, he destroys that. What else does he destroy? وَالنَّسْلِ نَسْلِ Noon seen lamb is used for progeny, for descendants. Children, their children, and their children. And this nasl is in who? Is in human beings as well as in animals. So he destroys the future generations. Whether it is of people, or it is of animals, or it is of crop. وَيُهْلِكَ الْحَرْثَ وَالنَّسْلِ This is what he does. So we can look at the ayah in many ways. First of all, if you take the meaning of tawalla as in he turned away. So he picked a fight with you, he was so mad, he was uncontrollably angry, he didn't care who he was hurting, what he was harming, who he was causing loss to. He doesn't care. People are damaged, their children are hurt, you know, their properties are damaged. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. وَيُهْلِكَ الْحَرْثَ وَالنَّسْلِ He's so frustrated, he's so angry. Just a minute ago he was so sincere. Just a day ago he showed he was so sincere through his sweet words. And you know what? Many times it happens that a person says to another, tries to show to another that he's very sincere, he's very honest, but then Allah will put him in a situation where his true feelings will be revealed, where his true reality will be exposed. For example, a person goes to ask for someone for their hand in marriage, for their daughter's hand in marriage, and they're like, you know, we love your family and we have a lot of respect for you and so on and so forth. And a few months later, the scene changes. The scene changes completely. وَيُهْلِكَ الْحَرْصَ وَالنَّسْلِ Fasad. Another meaning of the sayah, like I told you, tawalla is, he took charge. When he took charge, when he has authority, then he goes on not benefiting people, but rather causing destruction, creating chaos, destroying property, destroying people. And we see this, that many amongst people are such, that as soon as they have even a little bit of power, a little bit of wealth, a little bit of authority, they start wasting things. They start consuming so much more that they end up destroying, destroying the environment, ruining the environment. You know, sometimes I wonder, how much garbage we produce? How much garbage we produce in just one week? And yet we complain that they're only going to take one bin. We complain only one box of, you know, recycling. This is what we complain about. 
we use so much, we consume so much, we waste so much, يُهْلِكَ الْحُرْثَ وَالنَّسْلِ We really need to check on ourselves that what are we doing? And we see that because of this overconsumption, what is happening to the crops, to animals, and also to the health of people? What is happening? The land, the sea water. If you look at the images of lakes and seas and rivers, they're filled with garbage, many places. Filled with garbage. I mean, so many places are turned into landfills. Right? Because all that garbage that people are producing, it has to be put somewhere. And they dig into the earth, they throw all that garbage in, they make it a landfill for several years, and then they put a golf course on top of it, so that it looks all beautiful. So that people don't even realize the kind of damage they're causing to the environment, to this earth. What are we doing to this earth? يُهْلِكَ الْحَرْثَ nasl. Just the other day, I was uh, somewhere and I was talking to this person who is a researcher and they also have a honey farm and you know they're a lot into natural medicines and foods and so on and so forth. So they were recommending something that was good for allergies. And I said that, yeah, I know somebody who has allergies. You think this would be good for them? And we were just having a conversation about allergies. And they said, you know, the problem is not with the bodies. It's the kind of food that is produced that damages the bodies, which is why our bodies are reacting. You know, for example, she was saying that nuts, it's the soil in which nuts are grown that causes the body to react. And now, nut allergies are so common. Other kind of allergies also are so common. They were unheard of before. People had no idea. I myself, when I came to this country, I was like, oh really, nut allergies? Seriously? How could somebody be allergic to nuts? I had no idea. I mean, yeah, that's something that you've heard of, but you could never have met somebody with such allergies. So you wonder what kind of food is being produced. What kind of food is being produced? What is it that is being put in the soil, in the food, in the crop, in all these chemicals that we are encouraged to use to keep ourselves clean, to keep our houses completely clean, germ-free? Who is being damaged? We are being damaged. Our lives, our bodies, our properties. وَيُهْلِكَ الْحَرْثَ وَالنَّسْلِ So this materialistic, this life of overconsumption, this is fasad fil ard. So sa'a fil ardi liyufsida fiha وَيُهْلِكَ الْحَرْثَ وَالنَّسْلِ What does Allah say? وَاللَّهُ لَا يُحِبُّ الْفَسَادِ Allah does not like corruption. Allah does not like corruption. What does Allah like? Islah. Allah likes reformation. Because fasad, why does Allah not like it? Why do you think so? Why do you think Allah does not like fasad? Do you like fasad? Do you like fasad? Do you? Then speak, tell me. Either you like it or you don't like it. If you stay quiet, then I would think that you're not listening. Do you like fasad? Why? What is fasad? What is fasad? Corruption, destruction, right? Destroying things, ruining things, spoiling things, the property, relationships, right? So, why do you not like it? Yes. Exactly. Exactly. That it is harmful for people. 
It's harmful for people. Would you like it that somebody breaks your house, breaks your window, bumps into your car, damages your car and runs away? Would you like that? Not at all. Would you like it that somebody sells you food that has a lot of bacteria in it and you eat it and you end up getting sick? No, you would not like that. Because it harms you. It harms your family. It harms your life. It harms your productivity. It doesn't have a good effect on you. It doesn't have a good effect on society. So fasad we see damages mankind at large. And at the same time fasad is ingratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah gave us this earth. Allah gave us all that is in the earth that is so good for us. But what are we doing? Ruining it. This is just like you give somebody a very good gift. Suppose you buy an iPhone for somebody and you give it to them. And you see them after two weeks and you see a big crack on the screen. You're like, what did you do to it? What did you do to it? So the earth that Allah has given to us, if we are destroying it, you think Allah likes that? No. Wallahu la yuhibbul fasad. Allah does not like fasad at all. وَإِذَا And when قِيلَ It was said, لَهُ to him. When it is said to this person who is going around creating fasad amongst people, destroying property, destroying crop, when it is said to him, اِتَّقِ اللَّهَ Have fear of Allah. Fear God. What are you doing? Stop the wrong that you're doing. Fear God. When he is told to fear Allah, then what happens to him? أَخَذَتْهُ الْعِزَّةُ بِالْإِسْمِ أَخَذَتْهُ هَمْزَ خَذَلْ It seizes him. What seizes him? Al-Izzah. What is Al-Izzah? Honor. And remember that Al-Izzah is of two types. It is praiseworthy, it is also negative. It could be good, it could be bad. For example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He has Izzah. He is truly honorable. He deserves honor. He deserves glory. Why? Because He is the greatest. There is no one greater than Him. Likewise, we see a person who is elderly. Should they be given izzah? Should they be honored? Should they be treated with respect? Yes, because of their age, because of their condition. They deserve that respect. Right? But there is a negative kind of izzah as well. Which is, you can say ego and pride. That a person thinks that he is very great. Okay? So, he thinks very highly of himself. He doesn't humble himself. He doesn't give up. He doesn't give in. He doesn't listen to the other. He becomes stubborn. So over here, أَخَذَتْهُ الْعِزَّةُ His izzah it seizes him. What kind of izzah is this? Positive or negative? Negative. His ego prevents him. His ego seizes him بِالْإِسْم with the sin. What does it mean by this? الْإِسْم is Hamza thamim, and you know that it means sin. أَخَذَتْهُ الْعِزَّةُ بِالْإِسْم What it means is that this pride, this ego... It seizes him to do sin. It overpowers him and he continues in his wrongdoing. He was told, fear Allah and stop what you're doing. But now what happens? His pride overtakes him. His ego comes in and it prevents him, it stops him from accepting the advice, from listening to the truth. Even though he may know the effects the harmful effects of his wrong actions. He may know, it may be very clear to him, but yet, his ego comes in and he doesn't want to 
confess. He doesn't want to accept his mistake. He doesn't want to say, I'm sorry, I'll change my ways. I'll do something different. No. أَخَذَتُ الْعِزَّةُ بِالْإِسْمِ Many times it happens that we're doing something and we believe what we're doing is right. But then somebody else points out, you know what? You're doing this the wrong way or what you're doing is wrong. Maybe you should do something else instead. And it could be the correction of one word. It could be the correction of one thing, one small thing. You know, sometimes you're cooking and another person comes in and says, why are you putting so much chili powder? Put a little bit less. And you're like, no, who are you to tell me? Go away. It's my food, my recipe, my way of cooking. You know, eat it or don't eat it. Don't interfere. When we realize our mistake, when we realize that we're doing something wrong, and somebody has helped us realize that mistake, what should happen at that time? We should be grateful to them. Thank you for pointing out my mistake so that I could correct myself, I could better myself. At this point, a person could react in two ways. A, that he changes, he accepts the advice. And the other, that he becomes stubborn. What is being mentioned over here? The person becomes stubborn. He doesn't take the advice. He says, go mind your own business. أَخَذَتُ الْعِزَّةُ بِالْإِسْمِ His ego prevents him. It comes in the way. Another meaning of this is that أَخَذَتُ الْعِزَّةُ بِالْإِسْمِ That the izza in ism that he has, it أَخَذَتُ Meaning the pride that he has in committing that wrong. He's so proud of that wrong thing that he does that he doesn't want to let go. He's so proud of the wrong he does that it overpowers him. That he believes that what he's doing is right. And no matter what somebody says, he says no. He will go to any length to defend himself, to defend his way. أَخَذَتُهُ الْعِزَّةُ بِالْإِسْمِ He's proud of the wrong that he does. This person, Allah says, فَحَسْبُهُ جَهَنَّمُ then hellfire is sufficient for him. Hasin ba. It is enough for him. Such a person deserves to go to hell. Walabit sal mihad. And surely how bad is the resting place? Mihad, mim hadal. A place that is prepared, fully prepared. It's also used for a cradle. Mahd, a cradle. A bed that is prepared for a baby, for a child. So walabit sal mihad. What a terrible resting place it is. Such a person deserves to go to hell. If you see in this verse what is being mentioned, that this person when he's doing something wrong, he is advised, ittaqillaha, fear Allah. Fear Allah. Now this advice, ittaqillah, this is a very beneficial advice. It's a very beneficial advice. Because what is the other telling you? Fear Allah. Be conscious. Be alert. Think about what you're doing. Hear what you say. See what you're doing. Do you realize what you're doing? Have fear of Allah, stop the wrong, and do good instead. So this is a very, very good advice. But many people, they get offended when they're told, ittaqillah. When they're told, fear God. They don't like it. They get upset. They say, you think I'm doing something wrong? You think you're very righteous that you can go on telling me fear Allah? Who do you think you are? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to His Messenger, Ya ayyuhan nabi, ittaqillah. O Prophet, you fear Allah. He didn't get offended. The Prophet said, ittaqillah haysuma kunta. Fear Allah wheresoever you are. This is a very good advice, a very beneficial one. But people get offended. They don't like it. 
Umar anhu, the Khalifa, when he was told, Ittaqillah, he put his cheek on the ground. Can you imagine putting your cheek on the ground? Putting your cheek on the ground? Would we ever do that? We'd say, no, no, but my situation is different. You know, I'm older here, and I'm right here, it's not my fault here. We'll come up with a list of reasons, a list of excuses. Who does that? The person for whom hellfire is enough. Allah says, Humble people go to Jannah. Humble people. Those who accept, those who realize their mistake, and they change. We are human beings. We're not perfect in the opinions that we form, in the decisions that we make, in the actions that we do. We are human beings and we are very, very prone to making mistakes, to making errors. And if we ever realize that what we suggested or what we did or what we decided was not that great, there is a better option, then what should we do? We should take the better option. The Prophet ﷺ, once he swore an oath, I will never have honey again. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him, you have to break your oath. And he did it. He broke his oath. What would we do? We would say, oh no, but you know, I've sworn the oath and it's okay, it's become so public. How can I change my decision now? I can't do that. Can't go back on my words. People won't take me seriously then. But when you find out a better option, then what should we do? We should take that. Our ego should not prevent us. Also another important thing that we learn in this verse is that if someone is speaking the truth, no matter how bitter it is, what should we do? Accept it. If somebody is telling us something and they're right, then listen. And once we realize our mistake, then what should we do? Change our ways. Apologize. Seek forgiveness. Because if somebody is advising us, then obviously they're doing it because they care for us, right? Otherwise they wouldn't tell us. Who do you not advise? Someone whom you don't care about. Many times it happens that in a public place, there is a child who is alone, there is no parent or guardian, anybody with him, and he's running, running, running. Many people, what will they do? They will just stand and watch. They will just stand and watch. But others, what will they do? They will run after that child. And they will take that child and say, where are you going? Where is your mom? Where is your dad? Why will they do that? Because they care for that child. So when you see somebody doing something wrong, you will only stop them when you care for them. So if somebody is stopping us, then what does it mean? They are sincere to us. So we should listen. On the other hand, وَمِنَ nasi And among the people, is man who yashri nafsahu, he sells himself. Yashri, shin ra ya. Ishtara is to buy, and shara yashri is to sell. So amongst the people is the one who sells himself. Why? Ibtigha amardatillah. To seek the pleasure of Allah. Ibtigha ba'ainya. And mardat ra'badya. From Ridwan. He sells himself to seek the pleasure of Allah. A completely opposite character. A completely different personality. This is a very common style of the Quran that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions opposites together, one after the other. For example, where Jannah is mentioned, 
immediately after, hellfire is mentioned. Good deeds are mentioned, sins are mentioned. Right? Likewise, the evil character, the bad character is mentioned, and the good character is mentioned. Gratitude is mentioned, ingratitude is mentioned. The result of good efforts is mentioned, the result of bad endeavors is mentioned. Why? So that a person can use his own mind and see what leads to what. He can use his own mind and decide for himself what he wants to do. You know, one is that we are told everything in the Qur'an. You should sell yourself for the sake of Allah. You should dedicate yourself for the sake of Allah. You should not be a stubborn disputer. But when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions it in this way, a contrast, characters, then it's as though you can see it before your eyes. You can picture the whole image. And when you can see it, you know what you want and what you don't want. You're like if you're ever watching something on the television, and you see a person who's very bad and a person who's very good, immediately your heart goes to who? The person who's very good. Right? If you're watching two teams playing, right? And you see that one team players, they're being very rowdy and very aggressive, then immediately you're like, I don't like them. I like the other team. Unless you're very like, very firm in those that you support. Anyway, so... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala presents opposite characters in the Qur'an so that we can decide for ourselves what we want. So on the other hand, among the people is the one who sells himself in order to attain the pleasure of Allah. What does it mean by this? He sells himself? In the past, yes, people would be sold, right? As slaves. But a person would never go and sell himself. What does it mean by this? That a person sells himself to earn the pleasure of Allah. What it means is that a person dedicates himself entirely, wholeheartedly to earn the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because what is included in nafs? What does nafs mean? Yourself, your identity, your body, your soul, your spirit, your mind, your intellect, your heart, your feelings. Everything about you, you. So a person dedicates himself, his body, his feelings, his efforts, everything to attain the pleasure of Allah. Who is this person? Is it one particular individual? Not necessarily. Some have said that these verses were revealed concerning with Sahabi. Do you know? Suhaib al-Rumi. That companion, a Rumi, as you can tell, he was not an Arab. He was a Roman. He was brought into Mecca as a slave. Because in the past people would go, you know, attack a tribe or attack a people and whoever they would get, they would be taken in as captives and sold as slaves or kept as slaves. So he was brought in as a slave to Mecca. Eventually, he got his freedom and he got into business and he made a lot of money. And he embraced Islam as well. But you know what happened to Muslims in Mecca? They were persecuted. This is why the Prophet ﷺ and the Muslims immigrated to Medina. So Suhaib al-Rumi, he also wanted to migrate to Medina. So when he was migrating, he left Mecca. He was right outside. The Quraysh, the Meccans, they came. They stopped him. They said, you can't go. You came here empty-handed. Now you leave with all your money. If you want to go, then you better leave everything of yours behind. Imagine. Somebody puts that condition. 
If you want to go, you cannot take anything of yours. So you know what he did? He left everything. He left everything. He said, keep it. Keep it. And he went to Medina empty-handed. And when he got there, the Prophet ﷺ, he told him that your tijara has been very profitable. That you made a trade with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala over here. When you left everything for the sake of Allah, to earn the pleasure of Allah, you wanted to get the reward of hijrah, you wanted to migrate, you made a very good trade. You had a very good business. So these verses were revealed concerning him. However, they are not limited to him. These verses can apply to any person, any individual, who dedicates himself in whatever capacity that he can, to earn the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because Allah says in the Qur'an, إِنَّ اللَّهَ اشْتَرَى مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ أَنفُسَهُمْ وَأَمْوَالَهُمْ بِأَنَّ لَهُمُ الْجَنَّةِ Indeed, Allah has purchased from the believers their lives and their properties so that they can have jannah in return. This trade, this exchange has already taken place. So amongst the people is the one who yashri nafsahu, he sells himself to earn the pleasure of Allah, the purpose, the goal of his entire life, of his striving, is that somehow Allah will be happy with me. Somehow I can earn the pleasure of Allah. And if a person is striving to earn the pleasure of Allah, where do you think they will stop? When do you think they will stop? When? When? After Ramadan? No, they can't stop until they die. وَعْبُدُ رَبَّكَ حَتَّى يَأْتِيَكَ الْيَقِينَ Worship your Lord until death, the certainty of death comes to you. Don't stop that. Until your last breath. The person who is truly striving to earn the pleasure of Allah, he will not strive only in the month of Ramadan. He will strive afterwards as well. He will continue later on as well. So it means that if he prayed Fajr in Ramadan, he will also pray Fajr after Ramadan. If he recited Quran in Ramadan, he will also recite it afterwards. I'm not saying that that person will continue to pray Taraweeh for the rest of the year and continue to fast every single day. No. But the striving is still there, but it becomes different. The effort is still there. Yes, it may be different. But a person is still striving to earn the pleasure of Allah. And you know, sometimes to do certain things, you really have to sacrifice. You really feel as though you have no say over there. As if you've literally become a slave. You can't make your own choice. You can't make your own decision. You don't have that choice anymore. You know, for example, to earn the pleasure of Allah, Let's say you decided, I'm going to study the Qur'an. And you say, okay, this weekend course, I'm going to sign up for that. But then what happens? When you're tired, when you're waiting for the weekend all week, and then comes Saturday morning and you're like, it doesn't feel like a weekend at all. My week never ends. I never have a weekend. You're selling yourself to earn the pleasure of Allah. You've literally enslaved yourself. You don't have that freedom that other people have. Other people can sleep in, they can take it easy. They can go to the mall, they can shop, they can you know, stay up very late in the night so that they can sleep in in the morning. But you can't do that. They can take their weekends easy, but you can't do that. So you literally have to 
Sell yourself to earn the pleasure of Allah. مَنْ يَشْرِي نَفْسَهُ إِبْتِغَاءَ مَرْضَاتِ And when a person wants to earn the pleasure of Allah, then it becomes easy to dedicate himself. It becomes easy to sell himself. It becomes easy to do the hardest of things even. Because once a person strives to earn the pleasure of Allah, he does something good that was very challenging, very hard. And then when he is able to achieve something, then he feels good about it, he wants to continue. He wants to keep going. That brings him happiness. Then going to the mall doesn't bring him happiness. Then sleeping in on Saturday morning, Sunday morning does not bring him happiness. It's the fact that you know we are done with how many verses? 200 plus verses. That is what makes him excited. Not spending $200 in the mall. Spending $200 in the mall? Like, oh my God, $200 I spent? But when you've gained 200 verses, that makes you more excited. Completely opposite person. What does Allah say? وَاللَّهُ رَؤُوفٌ بِالْعِبَادِ Allah is most compassionate, very kind with the servants. رَؤُوف رَاهَمْزَفَ رَأْفَ is mercy, compassion. But it's slightly different from rahma. Ra'fa is to have pity for someone on seeing them in difficulty. That you see someone struggling, striving, and your heart is filled with compassion for them. Your heart is filled with love for them. You know, for example, if you ask someone to do something for you, and you know that it's difficult. Let's say you're sick, you're in bed, you can't move, and you want food. So your mother or your daughter, or your sister, whoever, they bring food for you. And you're like, I need a spoon too. And you feel shy of asking them. You know, they cook the food, they forgot the spoon. How can I ask them? I feel shy. So you ask them. You can see the fatigue on their face. They're tired. But you don't even make a request, and they go and fulfill it for you. How do you feel? Your heart is full of love for them. You're so grateful. You're so happy. You're so happy. So Allah, He is ra'uf bil'ibad. He is very compassionate towards the servants. What servants? Those who are just chilling and doing nothing? Wasting their lives, wasting their time? No. Those servants who are striving to earn the pleasure of Allah. Those servants who are standing in prayer and their feet are hurting, but they don't stop. Those servants who are hungry and thirsty because they've been fasting. Those servants who may be hurting in their bodies, but still, they made a commitment, so they're gone to fulfill that commitment. You know when a person is reading the Qur'an, reading the lesson, and you're so tired, you're falling asleep, you're like, no, no, seven times, I have to do it seven times. And you feel like putting the juz away, but you're like, no, I have to do it seven times. And you stay awake, you force yourself to stay awake, and you do it seven times. You think your striving is useless? No. وَاللَّهُ رَؤُوفٌ بِالْعِبَادِ Whenever you're getting tired, think about it. وَاللَّهُ رَؤُوفٌ بِالْعِبَادِ Allah loves me at this time. Allah loves me at this time. You're reciting the Qur'an and your throat is drying up and you're out of breath and the teacher's like louder again and you're like, stop. And you still keep going. At that time, remember, وَاللَّهُ رَؤُوفٌ بِالْعِبَادِ I am striving, but the more I strive, Allah will be more merciful towards me. 
But this can only be done by the one who really wants the pleasure of Allah. Because a person who doesn't want the pleasure of Allah, what will he say? You know, forget it. Done it five times enough, man. I know the lesson. Why do you have to do it seven times? Like was a person who say, I know how to reset. I'll read later. I can't bother right now. Who can strive? The one who wants the pleasure of Allah. And the more he strives, the more Allah loves him. Wallahu ra'ufun bil ibad. In a hadith we learn that the Prophet ﷺ said that Allah says, مَنْ عَادَ لِي وَلِيًّا فَقَدْ آذَنْتُهُ بِالْحَرْبِ That anyone who opposes my wali, my friend, then I declare war against him. Who is the friend of Allah? The one who is an obedient servant to Allah. Any person who opposes the friend of Allah, Allah declares war against him. What does it mean? That if you harm Allah's friend, Allah will harm you. And if you are Allah's friend, somebody dares to harm you, Allah will protect you. Allah will keep you safe. You suffer, Allah will protect you. You suffer hardship, Allah will reward you. For every bit of pain that you suffer, you experience, Allah will be rewarding you at the same time. And the hadith continues that the servant comes closer to Allah by performing the obligations that Allah has imposed on him. And then when a person performs the voluntary deeds, he comes even closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the hadith ends with this, that وَإِن سَأَلَنِي and if the servant asks me, لَأُعْطِيَنَّهُ Surely I will definitely give to him. وَلَئِنْ إِسْتَعَاذَنِي لَأُعِذَنَّهُ That if he seeks refuge with me, then definitely I will give protection to him. That if the servant is ever in trouble, then who will take care of him? Allah will. Because وَاللَّهُ رَؤُوفٌ بِالْعِبَادِ When you are striving for the sake of Allah to earn His pleasure, and you suffer in that cause, Whatever that suffering may be, remember, Allah loves you at that time. And when Allah loves you, then everything is fine. Then all your problems, He will take care of them. Wallahu ra'ufun bil ibad. Let's listen to the recitation. وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يُعْجِبُكَ قَوْلُهُ فِي الْحَيَاةِ الدُّنْيَا وَيُشْهِدُ اللَّهَ عَلَى مَا فِي قَلْبِهِ وَيُشْهِدُ اللَّهَ عَلَى مَا فِي قَلْبِهِ وَهُوَ أَلَدُّ الْخِصَامِ وَإِذَا تَوَلَّى سَعَى فِي الْأَرْضِ لِيُفْسِدَ فِيهَا وَيُهْلِكَ الْحَرْثَ وَالنَّسْلِ وَاللَّهُ لَا يُحِبُّ الْفَسَادِ وَإِذَا قِيلَ لَهُ اتَّقِ اللَّهَ أَخَذَتْهُ الْعِزَّةُ بِالْإِثْمِ فَحَسْبُهُ جَهَنَّمْ وَلَبِئْسَ الْمِهَادِ وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَشْرِي نَفْسَهُ بَتِغَاءَ مَرْضَاتِ اللَّهِ وَاللَّهُ رَؤُوفٌ بِالْعِبَادِ 